0: You're listening to the Manager Tools Podcast for Monday, December 12th, 2005. Hello, this is Michael Lozan, and for our long-term listeners, welcome back. For our newer listeners, thanks for joining us today. Well, it's that time of year again. Most managers we know right now are thinking about the holidays and annual reviews. Now, you didn't forget about that, did you? Well, after years of managing, training, consulting, we've concluded that this is one of the most poorly managed and implemented processes that we're aware of. It's not hard to do, but for plenty of bad reasons, many managers just don't handle this responsibility well. For those of you who do, it's an enormous competitive advantage. Now, this is a huge topic, so we're dedicating at least the next three podcasts ...to helping you deliver an effective performance review. We've taken the approach that you haven't had a whole year of one-on-ones... ...despite, I'm sure, your dedication to doing so in the coming year... um, ...so you don't have the related notes and haven't done quarterly reviews to prepare for this one. In this first podcast, we start walking through how to write the review. There are three steps in this first part of the process... ...collecting data, evaluating data, and finally writing the review. All three of those steps are going to take about two podcasts to get through... ...and then starting with the third cast from the series... We'll talk about how to actually deliver the evaluation. So with that, let's get to the conversation with Mark. I think today's topic is going to be pretty useful to folks. Uh, It's about this, the time of year when people start thinking about reviews and getting ready. And I know a lot of managers uh, approach this time of the year with a lot of trepidation because they really don't have a methodology for how they're going to go about doing the performance reviews. Yeah do you find that that folks get uh pretty um are are pretty worried about how they go about this during the this
1: you know tenure? it's funny I, I think the really good ones do and 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 privately they're they get upset that the company doesn't do a better job of preparing them and giving them information i mean the h r is great at giving deadlines you know and say and shaking their finger and saying you will and you have to and you must and you should um I, you know i i think a lot of managers um just put it off. And, and I'm not sure there's anything worse they can do than that, because everybody knows they're putting it off and then rushing around at the last minute, and then expecting to have some credibility, some professional credibility when you're delivering a last minute review. You know, well, why bother? I mean, it it almost sets you up for three months worth of failure after the fact. Uh, and, and, and to me, I'll tell you, I've been doing this job long enough, Mike, that really my whole feeling about annual reviews, performance reviews, is it's horrible, and it's horrible because you cannot win a game being down by four touchdowns in a le- with a great two-minute drill. Right. Performance reviews were meant to be the end, an afterthought almost, from a performance management system. Look, I mean, look at it this way. No companies, almost none, did any performance reviews, annual reviews, evaluations before World War II. Almost none. Even before World War I. Okay? The only ones that did it were a few big companies that were very technical or, or had a really unusual background and um, the military. And the military did it for a very simple reason. Their chain of command might change very drastically, very quickly, if they have to do their job. And so they needed a good sense of where talent was. Um, that's why the chain of command is so important in the military. You know, if the captain dies, I hate to say it, but the first lieutenant takes over. Interestingly enough, the military does this better than anybody else. And in fact, the military is good at it. I mean, the system the military has, you and I both were in the Army, the system is very good. It's a little inflated, like most companies, but not as much as most. Um, and the process by which it works is very efficient um and everybody knows it so the military actually was really the first ones that did this and then believe it or not my hero peter drucker came along shortly after world war 2 and invented a concept called Management by Objectives. He didn't invent it. He essentially made it very clear to people that if the big company has an objective, that the only way for it to get there is for all the individual managers to support that objective. And so bosses would say, I need this from you this year. And then they would, at the end of the year, evaluate on whether or not you did it. The whole point was Management by Objective was a way of dealing with things day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month, quarter-to-quarter. And then at the end of the year, you had so much data, the annual review was fairly straightforward. Over time, management by objective went away. It was too harsh. It was too mean. Whatever, all kinds of reasons. Companies got away from coaching and feedback and day-to-day performance management. And without that, the evaluation becomes very important. You mean you're going to change my pay, but you're not going to do me the courtesy of giving me feedback along the way so I can move in the right direction. And so we've we've essentially lumped our we've put ourselves through lack of discipline, into a situation where we have a very important process that has no hard work done in advance of it in most cases, but it still has all the implications of salary, of pay. You know, we, we did a podcast once called Your Resume Stinks. Most people's resumes are not that good. That's the individual equivalent, in my opinion, of performance management, performance evaluation. This is one of the three or four most broken personnel processes in corporate America, and, and, and maybe perhaps worldwide, that I'm aware of.
0: Yeah, I I agree. I've witnessed it for longer than I
1: care to admit. One of the things I've noticed, I bet you there are a lot of people who would think of you as being a good evaluator, uh, even if during the year you weren't giving a lot of feedback. I know that wasn't you. The things they lionize about the process now is that you write good reviews. And, and it's become about writing or about filling out the form rather than about being clear with your subordinates about what needs to happen, having, giving them feedback and being clear when you deliver what they've done well and what they haven't done well. I, I've been in a number of meetings where HR people, senior managers held up reviews said, this is a well-written review. And I wanted to say, well, yeah, that's true. But, you know, is that what we're really shooting for? Because I can write real well. Does that mean I don't have to show up for work for a year, but then I can just write good reviews? Um so so yeah right. the it, standard
0: has become a well a well-written view in the sense of prose versus yeah an instrument that's useful in helping guide someone towards improving their performance and enhancing their yeah. opportunities for development within the company.
1: Yeah. yeah, absolutely right. Yes. And and I believe that the writing is really about around the the formulaicness if you will of of the form as opposed to it being chock-a-block with good information that will help people. So, yeah. Good. Well, I,
0: I think, you know, um, a lot of people have difficulties with reviews, and I, I suspect that most managers right now are thinking about reviews. They may not be doing anything, but they're certainly thinking about it um, and feeling a little bit of stress going into um, sure. the end of the year because they, they really haven't developed a method for uh, completing performance reviews. Yes. Um, and I think some of the things we're going to talk about today should alleviate some of that stress because it's, it's a relatively straightforward process. I'd say it's p- particularly straightforward if you're following our advice on performance management right. systems throughout the right. entire year. But um, there's certainly time now to, between now and the end of January, to give somebody a, a well-written and effective performance review if we kind of go through some of these steps.
1: Yeah. Uh, one thing you mentioned end of January, you and I have kind of agreed through, you know, my my experience and your experience that end of January is a not unusual time for the deadline to be. Um, but we'd like to put out an ask to everybody here to send us a note, send us an email or or post to the website and tell us what the rough timeline is at your company. We'd also love to see any, any of the evaluation forms just so we can continue to advance our knowledge and think and be able to provide insight based on what's happening out there now we suspect most forms are a combination of numerical analysis uh ranking against behavioral traits and also uh you know some brief commentary um that's 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 a a short answer to what we know is a great we have a great deal of knowledge about all the different formats we'd like to see what exists now um but we'd particularly be interested in what the timeline is we're doing this at the end of the year um this year because um because it makes sense. Um, But as you say, this is the end of the performance management process for the previous year, and we're going to have to take the approach that not everybody who's listening to us has done performance management throughout the year. Um, And so we're going to take an abbreviated approach to this and talk about getting ready, at least in this cast and maybe in another one, about writing the review, knowing that you haven't dotted your I's and crossed your T's throughout the year, and then we'll remind you at some point in the near future here how you can be more effective in terms of dotting your I's and crossing your T's into, in the next year so that you'll be ready, and, it, and and writing your review a year from now will be much simpler. All the data will be right in front of you. You won't have to gather it, and you'll be able to come to a conclusion very, very quickly.
0: Yeah. Now, our Most of our listeners will be listening to this on... Monday or Tuesday, are there any things that they can do today, right now, yeah. to,
1: to get this process started? Yeah, there are two things right now you can do that will make your life easier, that will put you half a step ahead of a lot of the people. First of all, lock down the location where you're going to do your reviews. Yeah, uh, now, obviously, if it's in your office, lucky you, good to go. Um, if it's not going to be in your office, find a space at the company where you can do it. and That means going in and locking down the conference room. Um, for a couple of days in order to get everybody through. Um, And uh, that'll make things a little bit easier. The other thing is you're going to be asking each team member to review their own performance. That may surprise you. Maybe your company asks for that and if that's the case, great. we've got on our website so you need to go and visit today a document that will you can use as guidance in terms of sending out an email or visiting with your folks in your one-on-one it's a script for or a memo to send out to say look i'm going to ask you to review your own performance so you can ask them to do that now before the christmas holidays um so you can get it back so if you have any chance to think about this over the holidays you'll be well ahead of the game you don't want people handing it to you right before that you deliver your review you want to get it back in time to consider what they've included in your evaluation of them. So those are two things, lock down the location and ask your folks for their input, uh, to be given back to you within a couple of weeks.
0: Yeah. I've always found and my personal experience has been that, um, a good deadline for me has been before you go home for the holidays, yeah. uh, have this to me. So usually by, by Christmas time and, you know, people say, well, what about their, performance between christmas and end of the year well, there's <laughs> <laughs> there's not a lot a lot of stuff happening yeah there. and i but, would also
1: say you can you can trust me to consider all of that performance uh i but but it would really help me if you look at the first 50 weeks of the year i can worry about the other four percent those are two things you can do right away now i think our plan isn't our plan mike to really focus on the the, the, the really to break this into two parts one is writing a review And then the second part is delivering the review.
0: Absolutely. The writing
1: is really where the more work you've done in advance, the easier it's going to be. But writing a review, preparing it, going through the steps of preparing a review and then writing it is very different from the actual meeting of delivering it. Um, And so we're going to make a whole separate um, show or shows around delivering the review and talk about what to say and how to say it and data you need to have there and so on. Um, and when we talk about writing a review, really there are three key steps. Um, we have to own three components of writing a review, and that's collecting the data that you're going to use, evaluating the data, and then, of course, actually writing the review. And we do have some suggestions there. Basically, when it comes to collecting the data, you've got to go back through the year and look at whatever you can get your hands on about how the employee did their job. We do have some suggestions then you need to evaluate the data. And that means before you start writing, you have to think about the employee's performance. You don't want to get all this data and then immediately start writing because if you start off in the wrong direction, if you don't pause, um, you'll end up in the wrong place when you get done. And then lastly, um, it's important that you write a review that the system will accept and the employee will accept. And so that's the third step is writing one that you can feel good about. Uh, And there are some simple writing techniques. We have a couple of them that will make filling out those essay portions a lot simpler, um, that that are concise and yet full enough to deliver the information you need to make your point. Um, So, uh, you want to talk about collecting data first? Yeah, let's talk about collecting data. Okay. yeah, as I mentioned before, we don't have time to teach you all the stuff <laughs> that you should have been doing but haven't been doing over the past year. We respect that everybody's been busy and and uh, you haven't done it. That's fine. This this what we're about to deliver is as if you have not done anything in terms of management skills. You don't have anything in front of you. Um, And hopefully this process, as we walk this through, our listeners will see the incredible value of one-on-ones as a bucket where you not only communicate on day-to-day, but if you're keeping good records about one-on-ones, you have the very low-tech but highly powerful um, one-on-one forms as a repository of incredibly valuable information for collecting review data. Um, So we want to go through, as we collect data, there are five sources of information that you need to collect data from. First is the job, secondly is the job holder, and we'll talk about what that means in just a bit, then the individual, subtle difference between individual and job holder, then self appraisal, we've already talked about that, we're going to ask them to appraise themselves, and lastly, some organizational data. Um, So first, let's talk about job data. Believe it or not, you want to start with the job description, Um, and, and you want to review it, and you want to ask yourself, first question, is it accurate? Um, and that means, is everything that's on it correct for this person's job? Now, I know what there's some people, Mike, let me ask you something. What do you think that some managers here are listening to this cast right now? Some of our listeners um, are, are listening right now and are thinking, okay, okay get, get on, get on, get on with it. Get on, tell me about how to write that darn thing. I, I just want to put a little clutch. Well, you think they're probably doing that?
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. absolutely.
1: So I'm going to put a little clutch in here and I'm going to say, folks, this is the process. Take your time. If you want to do well delivering a good review, you've got to put your time in up front. You've already, I'm going to be the dark mark for a minute, you've already frittered away most of the year. If you want to continue that, that's fine, but just don't tell anybody when you deliver the review from which you didn't evaluate the job description, don't tell them we helped you. Um, But review the job description. Is it accurate? Is everything that's on it correct? And then is it complete? Is there something that's not on it that should be on it? Um, And it's likely that some things are not going to be on it. Um, Please don't say it's so horrible that this step is not worth it, because if you don't touch on it and your boss or HR look at it and see places where you disagree with it, that's going to make it harder. Even if you're proven right, it's going to make it harder because they're assuming that you will have looked at the job description. Okay? Okay. Now, it's also a good time for you to make a note and say, boy, this is really not that good. I'm going to have to update it, and, and me and my employee are going to update it. We're going to collaborate on update it in, in our goal-setting session that happens later on, okay? And if you're saying to yourself, well, we don't have job descriptions here, that's okay. We've got a way for you to simply create one. doesn't take very long, um, and, and this will help you think about the job because the job is what the person is being compared to. And if you don't have anything to compare them to, then it boils down to just your opinion. And that generally doesn't hold weight, doesn't hold water if HR doesn't like you, if you have a difficult relationship with your boss. You want to have objective things to compare the person's performance to. So five simple questions to, you can ask yourself, um, and all you have to do is fill in the blanks. The first question is, the reason the company created this job was to blank. Second, the most important ways a person doing this job should spend their time are blank. Don't have to have any formal, big, impressively worded answers. Simple, plain spoken English. uh, Or whatever language it is you use. Um, Number three, the two to three most important duties of this job are. Number four, what this job takes to be successful is. And that tends to be more traits and characteristics and this is my favorite the simplest easiest way to see if this job is being done well is blank okay now remember that's about the, the, what we've just gone through is about the job okay it's it's not about the team member we're not asking you to evaluate the team member in this. We're asking you to think about the role that they're in. This would apply if you've got 10 customer service reps or 10 product engineers working for you, whether they work on different products or not. Um if you know if they have the same job description, you will be doing this for all 10. So this this may be depending upon the types of people you have working for you and the diversity of your team, it might be a short step after you go through it the first time for one of the people on your team.
0: Okay? Yeah, why is this so important though? I mean not everybody has them. They've, they've done reviews in the past. Why is the job description so important that we're recommending people spend some time, even if they don't have one and have to create one?
1: Okay. A couple of reasons. First of all, as I mentioned before, if you don't have a job description, if you don't know what you're compa- if there's no standard to which you're comparing this employee, then all it boils down to is your opinion. If this person gets a, a, a very good or a very bad review You don't want to be standing in front of your boss or or your boss's boss or HR saying, this is my opinion, and I don't have any legitimate standard to compare them to. Um, If, in fact, there are legitimate reasons, organizational changes, uh, institutional changes, uh, marketplace changes, such that several of the goals you set for them in the previous year, they couldn't have achieved because they're outside of their control or another division changed their plans or what have you. If you don't have any goals to compare them to, no objectives, and there's no standard in terms of their job, in terms of a job description, there's nothing objective about it, then you're left with your opinion. If they did very well, and you want them to get a big raise, and it's all your opinion, the person who has the budget is going to say, well, no offense, but you're just a manager or a director or whatever. That's nice, that's your opinion, but we, we don't have anything to compare to their data to. We're going to choose to leave him off as opposed to the person who nailed every single one of these other job description points over in this other division. Or if they did really poorly, You don't want to be in front of HR saying, this is my opinion. And they say, well, but do you have a job description? Well, no, we don't. You guys didn't do it. Well, even though we didn't do it, you know, you really need to compare them to an objective standard. Let's go ahead and wait another year before you write them a difficult review. Let's give them a job description to compare themselves to.
0: Right. So you can only evaluate performance in the context of a specific standard. There you go. You know, I
1: took two minutes to say what you said in like three seconds. (laughs) No wonder our podcasts are too long for those morning commutes. (laughs) <laughs> um, good point you 're absolutely right. you need an objective standard. It gives you so much credibility when you have to stand next to your reviews um, and and again, the big thing with reviews are, are are either tail of the bell curve the top and the bottom you want your top people to get what they deserve, and you want your bottom people you want the review of the people that are the bottom end of the spectrum to be to stand up so that you can have credibility when you put them on step one of of, of Counseling or whatever the case might be, you want the organization to stand behind whatever evaluation you give. Okay, okay. so that's the job.
0: You, you, you said, Go ahead. Yeah, you said, so you said something about um, the second source of information being the job holder. What's a job holder? That doesn't... Yeah, that, it's,
1: you know, it's, it's really a bad title. We may want to come up with something different. This is actually the work that the employee did, but it's not. we're not at this point talking about the employee... Okay, um, we separate the objective data we could gather or behavioral observations from the perpo- from the person. For instance, Mike, when we when we talk about the feedback model, we don't say you're a bad employee. We said you did X, and here's what happened. What can you do differently? In fact, I think I joked in one of our sessions. I said it's it's completely okay for you inher- internally to say to yourself, "I love you" or "I care about you." And when you behave this way, here are the bad things that happen. We don't say "bad boy." We say son, I love you, and you need to do this differently. Not implying, again, that employees are, are kids. They're not. Okay? So we make a distinction between the individual, where we look at the, their history with the company and their resume, previous reviews, that's past, and the actual stuff they did in the job. If you wanted to call this performance data, that's fine. You could. Does that help?
0: Yeah, that okay, helps. Good. Okay, good. Yeah, we
1: might want to change that and call it performance data.
0: So, so what would you, what what kind of things would you find when looking at this particular area of information? Well, the first one,
1: and I'll tell you, this is this is one that gets missed a lot, um, is is objective data, and I'll tell you why it gets missed a lot, Mike. We talk about this. You and I have talked about this before in terms of human behavior. Um, you've commented that I have a really good ability to observe someone and then describe their behavior rather than how I feel about their behavior. For instance, the old thing about you made me mad. No, you didn't make me mad. You behaved a certain way and I choose to get mad. Well, so often managers are so quick to say, to not even see the behavior, but just to say, oh, he's angry or he's sharp or she's for, she's full of foresight or she's got a lot of insight here. That's not actually what happened. What happened was things they said, things they did, the words they said, how they said them and so on. Um, and a lot of times what happens is managers are quick to generalize or to draw a conclusion and forget what behavior or more importantly, in this case, the data that they have that supports their opinion. I tell you what, if you don't observe objective data and there is objective data in, in the system somewhere, and you have a review that's really good or really bad, because those are the ones that are going to get challenged. Um, if you have a, good, a really good or a really bad review and there is objective data available to you that disagrees with your conclusion, you can expect to have to make a case why you're smarter than the data. And generally, you're okay. going to lose. So, if- so give me
0: some examples of the kind of data that we collect. Sure. Um
1: you know, obviously this assumes that you're in a company big enough that pays attention to metrics and standards and reporting. But look, it could be as simple as the number of days they were late, number of calls they answered, number of calls they dropped, the average quality score of stuff that they produced, total parts produced, total jobs finished, the number of complaints, the number of compliments, the number of errors, the number of spot bonuses they got, the number of times they went on disciplinary action, the number of end of quarter awards, their ranking in the representative structure, their their the number of quarterly contests they won. You notice I'm not talking about the quality of their work. I'm talking about the numbers that then may cause me to draw a conclusion about the quality of their work. If I say that somebody has a poor attitude in their review, I better have five or six specific examples of of objective data. For instance, um, it's not enough to say routinely late. Well, you can say they're routinely late, but if you say in one two-month period they were late 26 times, you're not going to have anybody from HR arguing with you about their attitude. So you've got to gather the objective data. And what's helpful is one of the things managers tend to do is they tend to rate people who are like them or very dislike them, either positively or negatively. The objective data generally will support your conclusion. I'm not going to kid you. Most most managers have a pretty good sense of their team. But it's very helpful to know that there are specific bits of data that help your case. And you want to state them if, in fact, you want to make a particularly strong case. Okay.
0: Okay. All right, good.
1: Now, I'm not saying that those are the only things. There could be hundreds of pieces of objective data. Um, you know, for me as a, as a consulting firm owner, it'd be the number of clients, the number of revenue, you know, the amount of revenue, the amount of profit, um, you know, because I have a responsibility for costs, um, the number of successful hires, the, the, the number of days employees have been retained, those kinds of things, different for every job. Um, certainly, budget uh, for managers would be an issue. Um Okay, next thing, critical incidents. uh it may be hard if you haven't done it throughout the year, um, but this is basically an accounting of events which involve the team member, big or small, doesn't necessarily have to be huge. And, of course, the problem so often is you can't recall things that are not huge uh, at the end of the year, particularly things that happened in February. It doesn't have to be huge or grand or good or bad, and it can be an incident. It's an incident rather than a bit of data. It could be the handling of the John Smith referral call. It could be uh, the connection between engineering and production on widget number 525. Um, and what you want to do is write down your recollection of that incident. Use whatever system you already have to gather data from. And obviously again, those one-on-ones with yellow stickies on them. If you, you know, if on Tuesday I'm going to meet you, meet with you in our one-on-one and on the Friday before something happens that I want to remember, I just write myself a yellow sticky and put it down in the one-on-one. I may or may not talk to you about it in the one-on-one. I probably will. But at least at the end of the year, I've got 50 probably one-on-one forms that I can review.
0: Uh, you know, uh, um, uh, see if you can guess where uh, my mind immediately goes to where I can find all those critical incidents. You tell me, Just, huh,
1: yeah. yeah, I mean, oh. y- you know, you know, it's funny about that, Mike is that people complain about email, but there it all is. I mean, it, sometimes it's trivial, the, the smallness of it, but that's the beauty of it for an annual review. Is you've got, you know, in most big companies, a typical email load, you've probably got a 1,000 emails from your employees. And you can go back to February and you can remember all kinds of things about what was going on in February based on what you're emailing back and forth about.
0: Well, you know what I used to to do, particularly when I had a much larger organization to worry about than I do now, is I used to have a – and I still do for all my people. I still have an email folder. But I used to have a very specific one that was a subfolder that was specific to – their review. And as things occurred throughout the year that I wanted to be able to, I wanted to be reminded about when it t- came time for reviews, I would file that in yeah. the special folder. And so that was the, the absolute first place I went when I started digging for this kind of information. And I made sure that I was pretty balanced in terms of both good and bad yep. things I sure. in that folder.
1: Um, hopefully our folks have started using rules to sort mail by each of their team members. So that if it comes from Bob and Terry who work for me there's a, there's a, there's a mail a, a inbox folder from Bob and then also one from Terry. Um, and I've seen it Mike. Now you, you're a little bit more sophisticated, but I've actually seen managers faces just get so excited and feel like, Oh my gosh, I'm going to be able to give give a great review because they're going through their inbox folders and seeing things that happened in January and February that are so long ago. They never dreamed they would remember it. And there it is in black and white, a string of emails back and forth and how they handle it and whether it was good or bad. And quite frankly, sometimes all you need to do is see the first email about a particular situation. And that takes you right back to March. And you're going, Oh, I remember that that turned out really well. He saved my tail on that one. Um, So I've seen the looks on faces, uh, and it's well worth going back through email. It shouldn't be a crutch to keep you from doing one-on-ones and keeping notes in other places, but email is a great place to look. Okay, and the third thing is, and those are incidents we're talking about, and the third thing is actual behavioral observations. We're not talking about performance in terms of results here. We're not talking about an incident but just anything you see that happens day to day week to week again unlikely you're going to naturally remember it and in fact this is the one behavioral observations um tend to be the ones that cause you to have the the what we call the recency skew which means anything that happens in november and december tends to get weighted more heavily than things that happen in january or february that's one of the errors uh, um, in terms of evaluation that's pretty common among managers um but if you've been keeping notes um about feedback you've given them, positive or negative feedback, it'll be easy for you to remind yourself of what the behaviors are. And, and the reason we mention that is because most evaluations tend to be a combination of how do they do versus their goals, what was their performance against plan, and then also some comment some some feedback, some review of their behavioral traits or characteristics, um, and, you know their personality, if you will. Is probably that's probably too loose a word. Um, but those are the kind of things that may very well be on the review. And if you take some time to think about them, and again, think about behavior rather than just generalizations like friendly or warm, think about specific behaviors, you'll do well and it'll make it easier for you when you actually sit down to write. All right, so that that's it for um, job and job holder. And then we got to go to individual data, okay? And and this is just a step to remind you to take you back out of the job and their performance. And remember that you're evaluating a person's performance. So that person's background is important. Get data on their history with the company. HR should be able to give you this. Uh, and, and Mike, I got to tell you, I'm amazed at the number of, number of companies that say, hey, we want you to do reviews. Here are the forms. HR's got all this great data and they don't send the great data down because, oh, well, that's confidential. Well, I'm about to write a review that's going to go into their confidential file. Can I see the rest of their file so I can... Write a good review. Also, I think you should review their resume every year. It helps you to see what their career path is, um, what they've been doing, whether or not there's anything in their background that you're not tapping that might be helpful. Uh, We sometimes get so focused down in the weeds on the day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month, and project-based stuff and person's role within that project that we forget to think more broadly about them and their skills and how they might be able to be effective for the organization.
0: Yeah, wouldn't it be wonderful to give somebody some feedback on the performance review about how well they're doing towards achieving some of the goals that they had laid out in terms of the the job they wanted or the position yeah. they wanted or transition to um, another area of the company that required some new skills that they hadn't developed yet. Yeah, I'm
1: amazed at the number of managers who, who say, well, I gave them a review on the year. I'm saying, yeah, okay, that's good. That's what you need to do. That's what the company asks of you. But, gosh, more importantly, w- wouldn't you want to um, – tell them how they're doing versus what they want. I mean, if they really want to be a manager someday, we just got a question recently about how can I break into management? If they want to be a manager someday, maybe you should show them how what they're doing is going to help them get into management or not. They may have done everything they're supposed to do during the year, but if you didn't know they wanted to get into management, you may not get as much energy delivered towards you next year. So, yeah. Um, and, and, and really, um, the if all you do is focus on goals and objectives, you've got too narrow a focus because uh, it means that all they all you do is manage them year to year rather than over the lifetime of their experience with the organization. Any, any changes in behavior and performance? I mean, it, you know, if in the previous year they achieved every single one of their goals and objectives and the year before that they achieved every single one of their goals and objectives and this is the first year they haven't, maybe it's not them, maybe it's you. <laughs> Maybe it's the role they're in. If they're in a new role, they were in a role previously, and now they're in a new role and they're struggling a little bit, you may have to spend more time with them, and you didn't realize that. You need to be able to review the individual data to help you get a sense of where they are within their career and the company and the job. Number four, self-appraisal. and I, I really feel like this is a huge competitive advantage for those of you who are listening. It's too often ignored. Um, whether your organization requires it or not, we recommend you ask the employee to review themselves, have them fill out the review form and add to it anything they like and tell them you'll be incorporating their input into the review. Um, don't tell them that they're going to get to write their own review because they will, um, don't, don't mislead them. Um, give them a deadline that allows you to incorporate it. Of course, don't expect them, you know, and, and I would say that if I give somebody two weeks, and if I have a month to evaluate 10 people and I give employees two weeks to get me back their stuff, and after week two, Joe, who works for me, says, well, I'm not done yet. I said, well, okay, Joe, you know, I'll give you a couple more days. And a couple more days, I still haven't heard anything from Joe. I'm going to say, Joe, look, let's make it easy. Let's make it a sort of a no-risk kind of situation. I'll give you until week three and one more week. If you haven't completed it then, I'm not going to include it no matter when you get it to me. And I don't have any problem if I end up getting something at the last minute that's really poorly thrown together. I have no problem giving him feedback about the fact that it's apparent that he doesn't care as much about his review as I do. Uh, I I may not ding him significantly on the review, but if he's got other problems, I might use that as an example of him not stepping up to a reasonable request on my part. On the other hand, somebody who really does a bang-up job and gives me a lot of information, I'm going to mention that in the review if I feel like it was an exceptionally good piece of work. And then lastly, I generally think, think more broadly than just yourself or your team. Um, And that means um, approaching a couple of peers, particularly if you're a new manager, ask them to give you a couple of reviews that they've written on jobs roughly similar to maybe what your team does. Uh, And if they need to anonymize them so you can't tell who they are, um, that'd be fine. But you need to see how other people in similar roles to you review people. Um, I wouldn't ask HR because they always have 20 questions and they want to it becomes too hard and i would just do this sort of quietly to give you a sense of how well you're progressing toward what you think a good review might look like this is particularly important if you've never done this before
0: so in this case you're you're actually looking for information about how others review yes. others is that versus looking for in uh, for input about a Specific individuals. uh, Yeah, you're
1: looking for, this is sort of the last step before you start evaluating the data. In my mind, the data that you're looking at includes two distinct sets. It's everything related to the person and then there's the organization within they within which they work and the, and so when you look at uh uh the job that's not really the person um but the job holder and the and the per- performance data that's about the person individual data is about the person self appraisal is about the person but the job is a function of the company the organizational input is a function about the the the, the form the uh the arena in which the job and the person um are working and it helps to know systemically or systematically how it is the organization works now if you've done this three or four years in a row you probably don't need to know how your peers are evaluating but i think if you are an experienced manager you ought to be sharing data um, with those who are fairly new in fact it'd be great if some some of you are listening if you've been doing your job for a while go to some of the new managers and say listen i'd like to help you out i've taken out all the personal information i thought you might like to see the last year hr said these were particularly good and maybe this will help you write your reviews wouldn't that be a lovely thing well, yeah, before we get into I think the next thing we're going to talk
0: about is evaluating data. But before we get into that, um, it me we didn't talk any in, in the collecting data um, section about other sources of information. For example, collecting data about the job holder going to the individual's customer, say they, they serve a particular customer within the organization, or going to their peers or going outside of uh, – your direct knowledge of the individual's performance. Is that something worthy of Yes, absolutely.
1: Uh, you know, we're, we're you, know, you and I, we always struggle against the, the form we're delivering and how much time we have and so on. I absolutely agree um, that that would be good. I, I, in my head, Mike, I'm not saying this is the way to do it, but in my head I kind of lump that into the objective data and the critical incidents. But I, but you're right, we should add. It may be that you have to reach out to get some of that information. I, I'm a little bit cautious um, of in, in, in just this form to suggest that people ask peers of the employee for input. Um, that touches on something called 360-degree feedback. And while many companies use that, many companies do it terribly, terribly wrong. And I know many companies who say they do it well, who then when I talk privately with managers, they say, well, yeah, but there's a way to game that system and we talk about it and make sure that we're doing the right thing for each other, which absolutely defeats the purpose of the thing. So other than, you know, I, I, I'm not saying some managers can't do it and do it well. I would probably reserve that for knowledge of the particular manager in the particular situation. I absolutely agree, though, if they've got a customer or if they're serving somebody internal in the organization and I can get information from them around objective data or critical incidents or behavioral observations, I'm absolutely going to be all over that. That's, a, that's another source for that job holder or performance data that is so important. And I agree, you're dead on right with that.
0: Yeah, and I suspect in today's business climate that that's required yes. more and more where folks are matrixed out in various different capacities. And they're actually, even though there's a functional manager yeah. responsible for writing the review, there are a number of other supervisors or managers out there that that are going to want to have some some input into the person's uh.
1: Yes, Uh, and you know what's funny about that is that everybody talks about the matrix and, well, it's a good plan. and You know, we've got a a functional relationship and they've got a customer and so I want to hear from the customer. And you send an email asking the customer for input. You don't hear anything back. You send another email, nothing back. Or, ah, he's doing fine. But then when there's a problem, they want to scream bloody murder that, well, I wish I could get better people and so on. Like, hey, if you're not going to help me be part of the solution, you're part of the problem. I wish I weren't so cynical about that.
0: Yeah, I won't say I've ever used that technique.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, so so now that that's the five sources of data in terms of collecting data. Um, and, you know, we'd love to spend two hours on that. There's a lot more to talk about, but it depends a great deal on the individual. It depends a great deal on the company and so on. And, and I'm sure somebody's going to write us a note and saying, well, that doesn't really work for me. And we'll say, okay, you're probably right. Um, we can't cover every single um, wharf on the waterfront, but we do our best. Uh, The next step is evaluating the data you've gathered. Okay, we're going to stop it right there with a little teaser of what's coming next week. Now, we've posted the
0: sample letter you can use to elicit self-appraisals from your folks on the website. So don't delay. Send it out now. You'll be better prepared to do the work of effective performance review writing, and your team will be impressed that you, unlike perhaps the rest of the management team, are thinking ahead. So thanks for joining us today, and be sure to give us some feedback via email, show at manager-tools.com or on the website, www.manager-tools.com. So until we talk to you next week, get working on your reviews. So long.